0: As well, another Tishabov we are experiencing right now. It's amazing how much when we leave one from the year before, we think to ourselves, "It's not going to come back again," and here we are again. This year, we thought of doing something very specific. You know, when you have a tishbuv like we have today, you know, in the old days, if you remember the old days, tishbuv was a very boring day. You sat around with not much to do. Kinas took forever, and there wasn't really much else, except maybe in the shul there was something. And today we're blessed. We're blessed with organizations, we're blessed with technology that the Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us for this purpose, to be streaming, and to be learning, and to be teaching, and to be spending our entire day, literally, back to back, whether you're in shul, or you're downloading films, or you're getting from Chabetz HaVetz Chaim, or anywhere else where it's coming from, we are bombarded, Baruch Hashem, with encouragement. What Tishbav is today is something that we have never experienced ever, maybe in our history. It's a day filled with Chizik. Now, the problem with Chizik is that if you can't digest it, it goes away pretty quickly. When you've got nothing to do on a Tishbav and you've got to fill some hours and we fill ourselves with incredible encouragement and Chizik and connection to Hashem, it's amazing. But tonight, after the second bagel, and once Nachamu passes, what happens? And one of the greatest things that happened to us is that each and every one of us has the following thought. Yeah, they're right, but that's not me. Like, yeah, the story of so-and-so was because he was great because they came from that family, because this person had a special neshama, because these stories, these people, these individuals that I have interacted with in the moment where I was so encouraged over Tisha B'av, yeah, it's because they're great people, but like, I know me, and I know me. I'm a regular person. I'm happy I even got through the day. But for sure, there's no greatness coming out of me. The regularness of who we are presents the Sahar with the greatest excuse in the world to beg out. Yeah, all the stuff you felt, let's be honest. You'd be lucky if you're making through Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Calm down, relax, enjoy the end of the summer. It's August. Don't think so big of yourself. And today's show is about greatness. Where does it come from? And one of the greatest mistakes we make in life is that we think that some people are just born with it. We look around at great people and say, wow, some people just had it the whole time. They just had this incredible ability that God gave them. And because they had this incredible ability, they took responsibility. That's what happens when you're given a gift. If God gave you millions of dollars, then you should be giving out stucca. If Hashem gave you incredible chachma, and you had certain abilities, you should be sharing it and teaching it, of course. But if you don't have the ability, then you don't have the achryas for other people. But maybe the equation is backwards. Maybe. The equation is not those with ability take responsibility. Maybe the equation is those with responsibility get ability. Maybe the world isn't what we think. Maybe we're not living a physical existence. Maybe there's something deeper called ruchnius and a rules that Hashem runs the world with, which is kachis and capacity and and resources are allocated to those that take a Achrayas. Maybe the people that have accomplished such great things took responsibility before they were even able to do so. And only through the responsibility did they gain that ability. Maybe the reason why me and you aren't greater isn't because we weren't given more gifts. Maybe we're not greater because we don't take enough Achrayas. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what the show is all about. Regular people taking on super normal and becoming the people they're meant to be. So that me and you can walk away from Tisha this year and not say, sounds good, but it's somebody else. And of course, like every single year, I'm joined with my incredible co-host, Yassi Friedman is with me today. Yossi is the managing director of Project Inspire, the leader behind so much of what you've seen. One of the most successful films in Project Inspire history has come out today, which we'll talk about before in a couple of minutes. But before I do, Yassi, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. and. I'm, I would say it's great to see you again. It is great to see you, of course, but unfortunately we're doing this on Tisha B'o.
1: That's right. And this, this brings me joy in Tisha B'o <laughs> right, right. Not too much. Though. Don't, right. don't, don't get excited. But you mentioned before, this is the purpose of the show today, which is to meet people and to discuss people who took the jump of responsibility and then were able to use their abilities, which grew, obviously, uh, with them taking that responsibility. You know, before we meet all these people, there was a clip that is actually our very, very first Tishabov film that we that we produced from Project Inspire was called "From the Ashes," and there's a, there's a clip on that film where Rav Noach Weinberg Zatzal describes opening an organization. And you know, we all we all know Rav Noach, you know, as being right. the great right. leader, maybe one of the leaders of the Kierov movements, but he was he was a simple guy. He was a salesman, you know. That he used to go city to city, which is how he got into into Kierov. On this note, though, I want to play for you a clip of Rav Noach describing how he came to create his own organization. It's very much in line with the message of today's
2: show. Okay. I started my first yeshiva, or my first organization, and all the subsequent was because I believed one thing, that if I come to a human father and I say, your son is drowning, I need your rope. Would you please give me your rope? (laughs) The guy's gonna give me his rope, yeah? Is that right? I'm gonna come to the Almighty and say, Almighty, I need you to help me. I wanna save your children. Do you get that? That's the only reason I ever started. I didn't know what to do. How do you make money? How do you raise money? I I never asked for money. I figured the Almighty will help me. I didn't know how to make an organization.
3: I'm try it.
2: The Almighty has to help. He's got to help me. I'm going for His children. He's got to help us. We're going for His children.
0: I mean, I think that's the key. The ability for, and this is what Rav Noach stood for, I think, in, in everything that we see about him as Rav Noach the untouchable, the Rav Noach knew everything, the Rav Noach who... Of course he was given a gift by Hashem to just do everything right. But no one understands the real story. And the real story is an individual who who went beyond himself. And even the way he said it was, Hashem has to help us. Like the concept that I want to do what's right and I'm going to wait. The ability, and I think this is what's going to talk about. I want to get into the film. I think this is one of the key moments that people have to understand. Is that when you look at the lives of great people, they all take some leap into the abyss. Into the world of, I don't know how to do this, but it has to get done, and I'm going to do it anyways. And lots of people hold their whole lives back, waiting for it all to figure it out, and it never gets figured out. Because to be worthy of it from Hashem, you have to jump into it. So this week, this year, you guys did a film, every year your films are amazing. This year you did a film that people are going insane about. And tell me a little bit about it, because I think it's breaking records, and, and the feedback, and I saw it with my wife today, and we were just like totally blown away. It's such a film of it. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to. Give us a little bit about what the film is, where it came from, and who, who you profiled.
1: Sure, as so a Charlie, so very much in line with what you were saying before, which is we think that, you know, for great, and you know, God gives us these, like, amazing talents, like you can use them and you can help people. The film that we chose to, to produce this year is called Man at the Wall, which, as you know, is Romeo Schuster, that's all. And Romeo Schuster was not um, the people's person. He was not a guy who would stop you in the street for a chit chat and to find out, you know, where you were from, etc. In fact, extremely the opposite. In fact. You know, if you saw the film, you see um, he was uh, coined as someone. You would never have hired him for the job that he did. Right, you know, right. that, that, that's, you know, I, I hope people don't say that about me. You
0: know? Right. That, and, I remember there was a point in the film where someone said he was learning Erie Strahl, Do you remember that part? And someone said, if I looked at the entire base Madrash, the last guy on the list to make a difference in, in, in that, to that level.
1: And, and here's, a man who, here's a man who jumped into it. And for those who saw the film know that we have eyewitness to the very first time Rav Mayor tapped someone at the shoulder tap someone at the shoulder at the hotel. it was way beyond his comfort zone. He jumped into it and single-handedly might have had the biggest success out there on a one-on-one basis. And, and so the reason we produced this film is exactly for that point, is that he didn't have those abilities. He wasn't born with them. And he speaks about it in the film itself, is that he went beyond that, and he created his he, – he was, he was so sold on this mission of his that he – that means he didn't grow into a family with this. He never right. had a Rebbe who said to him, right. you've got to do this. That this didn't even exist. It didn't exist. There wasn't exist. a job that he inherited. That's right. And he came across this and he realized it was a problem. He did not have – just, just you know, um, in, we, obviously we did dozens of interviews for this film and we spoke to many people. And someone mentioned to me that Rav Noah Weinberg told him that yeah. out of everyone in Kirov, out of everyone in Kirov, R- R- Meir Shuster gets the most char, So the guy said, why? I mean, you've done amazing things in Eishat Torah, others in Arsameach, etc. He said, no. He says, because everyone looks at themselves and says, what talents do I have? Right. And uses those talents to help claw Israel. Right. Right? Ability so, to and, and this person right. on the phone said to me, you organize events, you use that to help claw Israel. Right? He said, Romare was the only one who said what does Kalal Yisrael need? Oh, I don't have that. I better figure it out. Right. Wow. It was exactly the opposite. And, and and that's this is very much in line with the with the show today which is that sometimes we don't know that we have it in us and once we jump into that then we we, we we, we get more abilities than we thought that we had. And I just want to play a clip, yeah, if you don't sure. mind, because it was, a, it was a fellow Sammy Friedland from Muncie who's going to hate me for this because <laughs> uh, he hated it when he saw it on the on the uh, film itself, let alone you know on our streaming show. He, he, he once was doubting with her mayor, like, what are we in this for? You know, like, remind me again, you know? And I'll let him tell you for himself, but uh, here's a clip from The Man at the Wall. For those who haven't seen it, it's still available at ProjectInspired.com. As a clip from Sammy Friedland's discussion with Ramey Shustas, that's all.
4: I was walking with him to Shul one Shabbos morning, and I said to him, I said, I don't even know what we're supposed to do. I don't even know what we're doing here. And he stopped, and he never stops. And he turned to me, and he looked me in the eyes, and he put his finger on my chest, and he said, Do you want to know what we're doing here? I didn't answer him. He said, Do you want to know what we're doing here? And I said, Yes. He said, Our job is to bring light to the world and God forbid darkness. That is what we're doing here. And he turned and he continued walking. And I said to myself for the first time I understood who he was. He was on a mission. He was driven. He was driven to relight the flame of every neshama that was in jeopardy or possibly could be lost. He was going to spread as much Torah and light to the world as possible. And he thought and he knew that this was his mission and he certainly believed it was ours as well. I think this is what it really comes down to.
0: It's, it's really this concept of the ability to take our cries to make a difference in this world. And I see this time and time again from individuals that are, I don't want to say regular, that are
1: Seeming, seemingly, regular. seemingly regular. That's
0: a great point, right? Seemingly regular people. Everybody in the world in my opinion, especially if you're part of our nation, right? God put you in this world as a mamlechas Kohanim Vigoy Kaddosh. If he picked you right now, and everyone's beautiful, everyone's wonderful. God bless everybody. If you're If you're one of us and you were put in this world in 2018, that means there's something about you that needs to come out into the world. And what he just said is the mission statement for life. If all you do is say, my job is to bring light and not darkness, and not be held up by, am I comfortable? Will it work out? What's going to happen if it fails? And I'm not worthy, and all that stuff that gets in our way. But, like you said earlier, Mayor Schuster, this has to happen. I'm going to make it happen. That's, where, that's how it works. And there's no other way. So, anyone who's sitting and thinking, this isn't me, yeah, you're right. It isn't you. That's not, it, it's not supposed to feel like you. Right. You're supposed to work for it. You're supposed to do something beyond yourself so that you can earn the feeling. Of making that difference.
1: And, and it goes a step further. It goes a step further because sometimes we see an issue and then we look, we look back and we say, okay, where's the guy who's supposed to be <laughs> right, getting this done? Right,
0: right, right. right. No, but- and Rebbe said that if you see a problem, maybe you're put in this world to fix it. What we're going to do right now before we take our first guest is I want to actually ask each and every one of you to email us. If there's someone in your life that exemplifies this, anybody, a family member, a community member, someone that you know that exemplifies this principle, of a, I don't say regular, of a of a person, ordinary, an ordinary, <laughs> a seemingly ordinary person that takes responsibility, and as a result becomes the person who he he or she is meant to be, and makes a difference in the world. Email us right here at radio at projectinspired.com, radio at projectinspire dot com, and we will have a couple of minutes throughout this show to read this throughout the broadcast. So please email us now. And our first guest is here right now, and it's a huge pleasure for me because he's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, I've had the opportunity in the past few years to have gone down and spoken for High Lifeline. I was able to run a little bit before I I, I did. And um, the executive vice president of High Lifeline is here, Rabbi Rabbi Simcha Scholar. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And one of the things that we want to know about a lot, and the reason why it's so important that you're here, is because there are few organizations as big, as impactful, as broad, if you will, as High Lifeline. I remember one time we were sitting together at an event. If you remember that, and I'll never forget, it was Sunday morning, and it was a close friend of mine who was doing a Suda and I had it was like eleven o'clock, and I had just mentioned to you like so. You just you just came in, and you had said to me, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm." And then like I think you showed me your schedule for Sunday morning. And I was like exhausted from just reading the schedule, the amount that I don't even think people have full a full understanding of even what High Lifeline does at, to to its extent. If you can just share us a little bit about just how broad Chai Lifeline is today and just where the organization is today and just how much it's going on, um, that would be incredible. And, and you being here really is, is a big success and thank you so much for joining us.
5: It is a, an honor for myself to be here, especially on Tisha B'Av, where perhaps we can inspire others to inspire others. Um, Chai Lifeline today is probably one of the largest, if not the largest, Jewish community-based organization in the world. Uh, We service 5,500 families that have a child or an adult with a life-threatening illness um, a day. And we do it through a variety of services, psychosocial, concrete, recreational services. We have 14 regional offices throughout the world. We have a couple of hundred employees and um, it 's really a very, very large and impactful organization that affects the entire community, from the communities that are very, very affiliated to unaffiliated to those that have payout and pay us and those that only wear ponytails and we kind of merge the worlds together it 's really the, um, the essence of High Lifeline is helping our fellow jew it 's obviously Yisroel at its most pristine thing, loving our fellow jew and it started in Brooklyn with uh, six families so uh, 32 years ago so it, it really developed into this worldwide organization that has helped I suppose over the years hundreds of thousands of people and it's really been a privilege but I think when people look at Chai Lifeline and they look at the vastness and the, and the huge budgets and the different events that we do, everyone knows Chai Lifeline. There's not a single person probably in the affiliated Jewish community that doesn't know someone who we've helped. Whether they lived here in New York or they live in Australia or they live in South Africa or in Israel or in Europe. Chai Lifeline is everywhere. But I think the most important thing was the mission statement that Rabbi Shlomo Zalban Arbach, of uh, blessed memory, told me. That it's worthwhile to create a worldwide organization just to help one person. Mm-hmm. And that is the key. I think the essence of High Lifeline is we're still helping one person. Yeah, that's right, And that is really, if someone wants to turn over the world, then someone needs to realize you started with one person. Yeah,
0: so Tell us how you started, because I think when people think High Lifeline today, they think that you woke up one morning and there was a multi- uh, national organization right in front of you. How, g- can you take us back to that first moment?
5: Like, wh- how did it start? Well, firstly, I was a very um, happy rabbi here in Brooklyn. Um, I suppose successful. I had a shul on uh, Avenue P. I was a, a teacher in the Hebrew Academy of the Five Towns in Rockway Hafter in the high school, and that was my career path. After after I. Um, finished learning in, in yeshiva, and, and we, we went through the kollel process. Uh, that was our path. We were going to go and get involved in, in, in Jewish education, in the rabbinate, in the rabbonis kirov. That was what we were doing. Um, I met a gentleman who really is the person that laid the seeds of high lifeline, Rabbi Pinchas Horowitz, uh, the chusta Rebbe, the son of the Boston Rebbe. He, he was the one that planted the seeds. I had the privilege of farming it in plowing it and perhaps helping it grow and he had this idea of helping a, a sick child and I kind of thought that was a great thing let's help a sick child you know I had we had a sick child in, in the shul. Uh no one really knew 32 years ago the implications of illness no one understood 32 years ago what illness really does to a family how much of a outsider they were to to, to the community Uh, and this whole concept of normalizing illness, which was very foreign to the Jewish community was becoming more and more in in the overall community. So we began, and we began as a camp for children with cancer. And I got to tell you, I knew nothing about camping. My wife loved camp. She's she's a camp person, Uh, and we got some money from the state, and that's how we began. And then we saw this as an opportunity that uh, children, from all different walks of life, we saw this as an opportunity of bringing the Jewish community together. Before
0: you continue, what was it like, if you can take me to that first time when you, the, you drove up on the first day of camp, not knowing anything? What, what was in your head when you were thinking, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't know, what, what was going you know, on at the beginning? It's quite
5: interesting. You know, I, 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 from the very outset, I had a plan, but I knew the plan was not mine. Uh, I, from the very outset, I knew that we had to make this thing happen and grow it but I knew the plan is not mine. Hmm. Now, I did not train myself for this position. I did not have the appropriate degrees or the experience. I just kind of followed the lead that Hashem showed me. Okay. So you're right. The first time that we went up to Camp Magen Avram, which was really the, um, the place where Camp Simcha was in its first year, I, I like, this is crazy. Like, 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 what's going on over here? But then we kind of learned, and we, we kind of developed, and, we, and just developed. And um, I, think, I think the most important thing here is that people can make a difference. And people, people sometimes get afraid of, of the, the opportunities that they have. But people can really make a difference. Everyone looks at a worldwide organization and say, wow, you know, look how big this is. But the truth of the matter is, it wasn't always big. It was very small. And it was uh, you know, a step-by-step process, some very difficult steps. And it's, but people, people make a difference. Yeah. Individuals can make a difference. You don't have to be a full-time per chesed or kirov or professional to make a difference in this world. Every human being can make a difference. And in fact, that's probably the greatest resource the Jewish community has. Besides the philanthropy and the money that they are giving and need to give and give more, but the ability that they have to get involved on in a on a timely manner giving up some time and their efforts and their expertise that's beyond important maybe yeah. sometimes even more important you know, than contributions and yeah
1: yes I, I just at what point did you find yourself kind of like falling into this maybe beyond your comfort zone and you said to myself and you said to yourself is this really what i want to be doing is it too much risk do i really have it in me and you pushed yourself over the you know, that edge. Because many of us, you know, many of the, quote-unquote, ordinary people are watching this and saying, um, oh, that's what happened? It was just an opportunity and then it all came together. But everyone goes to the the scare of like, oh my, did I push myself too far? And then it's when you push yourself over that railing that that it finally came around.
5: Well, I tell you, the ones that can really testify the most is my wife and my children, because they're the ones probably that have sacrificed the most for this uh, incredible growth and Uh, of High Lifeline but there were numerous times throughout the process of growth of High Lifeline that I said this is too much already let me get out of here Mm -hmm. and different people in different times kept me focused there were times I said what am I doing here the the resistance from the community is great the financial uh, hurdles are unreal what am I doing here and you know Thank God, I met the right robonim, or the you know, or the might you know, the, you know, the right people that just kept me going along. Because you know, I myself am still saying, "Listen, I'm still trying to help the one person. We're still got to focus in on that one person. It's not a matter of you know, it's not a matter of how many you do. Everyone likes to see numbers, but the ultimate success of anything is Hashem's. The only thing we can do is try our best." Wow. And responsible. We have to be responsible in what we do. We can't go crazy. You know, we, you know David Feinstein once told me you can only buy things that you can pay for. Right. <laughs> but
0: but,
6: which which yeah. was a but, fetish, Right.
5: Which was a yeah. It, it, in Jewish organizations, it is. <laughs> well, well, it's so
0: great to hear, and I'm so happy that you're saying it, and I really commend you for saying it because it just so shows who you are as a person. And I know that everyone is watching is, ben- is better for it. It's it's so much easier for someone to say. I always knew this. I got it down. I knew from the beginning. And I think one of the most in, inspiring things someone can hear that I'm hearing right now and being inspired at this second, and I know people are watching and being inspired at home, is you can ha- you can be going down through life and taking on more responsibility. And it's not like you jump in and then it's just clear waters, right? That, that's the, the measure says that when the Jews were walking through the Yom Sof, it it's not like they split and it was good. There's, there's, there's a measure that says that it was splitting every second. Every step was a split. And that... As you follow a path of trying to change one person, as you follow a path of trying to make a difference, there are new hurdles. There are new challenges. And the game is always to continue to push on to what you believe to be true, and then with people around, and Siat HaDishmai opens up, until you look back and go, how did, how did I end up here? I was just trying to change one person.
5: I think the ultimate lesson, especially in the world of chesed, is that generosity and philanthropy is not a Jewish thing; it's a universal thing. There are many generous people in the world. There are many philanthropic people in the world, but generosity and philanthropy, and even communal responsibility, without the appropriate perspective or Torah perspective, ends up to ends up to be, first of all, the antithesis of what Hashem wants, and it can be destructive. Germany had the, the the most incredible social, su- social service system built in. Right? They were the first ones to develop the social security system. And look what happened to their society. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of that we're, we're doing ha- what Hashem wants us to do in the prism of, what ha- of how Hashem is telling us to do it. Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to chesed. Because when, you, when you're doing a good thing for somebody else, it has to be in the way that Hashem wants us to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just not doing the right thing. Yeah. And even though it may seem like the right thing, but it's not the right thing, you know. Right. And even even going
0: through with from from Hashem's perspective to your point really gives you the Kaichis to keep on going. The ability to know at the end of the day, like you said earlier, the ability to know in your core that you're following his plan, that it, it almost creates a greater Akrais or a greater encouragement as you're getting through it. Let me ask you this. One of the greatest they say a lot that one of the greatest training grounds for Kal Yisrael today is camps like Camp Simcha. You take regular people that walk in and they leave, and it's like it's like the accelerator for godless. What goes on that has a quote-unquote regular person walk into Camp Simcha and then come out a totally different person?
5: It, I tell you the truth, it inspires me every year. You know that uh, this transformation—you know the hundreds of kids that want to become staff members in that camp—it's really remarkable. Every every open position, there's forty or fifty applicants. Wow. What is so special about the Camp Simcha experience or the other camps that have a similar experience? We as individuals are givers, are takers. We take. That's what we do. You know, our parents give us, our schools give us, we take. You walk into a situation like Camp Simcha or Camp Simcha special, and you take the, the 19, 20 year old, 21 year old male or female that's been taking their whole life, and now they get the satisfaction, the experience of giving, that's mind-boggling. Yeah. The transformation of how, of how they feel as a human being is, is unbelievable. The satisfaction that they get is unbelievable. We have studies that show us the percentages of staff members that walk into our camp and many of them walk out changing their career paths from wanting to go into business and they go into social service or, to, or into medicine. I travel the world. And in every city I go to, there are always our alumni that are involved in the community, whether it's an official capacity as a Rav or the Rebbe or whatever, or, or in the truly the, the communal capacity as, a, as lay leadership. Right. They understand the importance of giving, and that is one of the greatest lessons. One of the most important things we're doing is we're creating leaders, yeah. and they see it, and they and they do things. It's most unbelievable, unbelievable feats. A regular, a regular kid uh, taking care of a very, very compromised, sick child, taking care of their basic needs, yeah. their basic needs with a smile. It's really it's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon, and it it's created a revolution in the world. That really wasn't the objective. The objective was helping sick children. Uh But this was a revolution that was created in the world that has made a tremendous difference to our community because there is not a single Jewish organization and institution today that does not have a member of the alumni of Camp Simcha, whether it's them or their spouses, that appreciate and support the activities that the husband is doing, that the wife is doing, because giving is the essence of Yiddishkeit. Yeah. Avas is all about giving somebody else. It's not about taking. And, and you even see from here, and that's exactly
0: right, we even see from here this idea that responsibility of Christ leads to ability. I guess as soon as you start to taste that and start to re- live it, as soon as you walk into a camp and you go, there's no way I can do this, and then you do it, and then you give and you, and you extend yourself and you connect at that level, then you come back and go, oh, I'm going to go back to my regular life and not be a giver. And by just stimulating the ability to be a bal achrayi for somebody else, that allows them to go on their whole lives and just continue that achrayis throughout
5: wherever they go. Correct, correct. And that is really, that's the, that's the culmination of all of our learning and our entire Jewish experience that we're, we, we take it and we give to others that's giving back, that's doing exactly what Hashem has done for us all the years. He's given us, and now we're able to give to others. Amazing. Rabbi Scholar, thank you so much for being
0: thank here. You for it's an me honor to, come. to be here. And thanks for the continued chesed you do for our community and thank showing you. us what it means to be a person that and can I, take do this. I want to so. segue,
1: segue from this because Rabbi Scholar just mentioned the, you know, when people. Take on this need, you know, take on this leadership role of of taking care of people's basic needs. It's really about, obviously, Israel. It's really about loving another individual. And we could love somebody as long as they live 6,000 miles away. When you have to take care of their basic needs, loving them becomes all the more real. And, uh, it, you know, we know that the, the Chavitz Chaim Heritage Foundation every, uh, every year puts out uh, their videos. Um, and this year, the topic was Noisebel M'Chavere. And there was a story that our friend shared of Rav Baruch Ber. he describes Rav Chaim Scheinberg going for smicha by Rav Baruch Ber, which I think really encapsulates this, this point of Rav Baruch really loving another Jew I wanted to go to that clip
7: you know people used to go to Rav Baruch Ber to get smicha so Rav Chaim Scheinberg went also, when he was in Europe, he was learning there in Keilil, he went to Rebar Ochber to get smicha. He comes to Rabar Ochber's yeshiva or his house and he asks him for smicha. And he finds out that Rabar just didn't give, give you a bachin and give you smicha. You have to stick around for a few days so that he could get to know you, see you your anhogah, see how you act, see how you daven. So Rav Scheinberg comes in to Rav Baruch and he didn't know this. So he says to Rav Baruch he says, I can't take the Bechina now because my wife doesn't know that it's going to be a few days before I get back. And in the meantime, my wife is going to be worried. What happened to him? You know, there's no telephones. So my wife is going to be worried. So I have to go back home first Tell my wife that it's going to be a few days and then come back, take the Bechin and then get smicha. Rabbachber says to him, I can give you smicha right away. I know what every one of you is thinking. Ayid, the Trachs Wegens Ein Frey, who thinks about his wife, he doesn't want to be left off for three days, she won't know it's gone. Oh, das is Ayid. That's not what Rabbachber said. He says, You know what, I'm going to give you smicha? Listen to this. He says, because I know you're going to come to the house and your wife is going to say, no, did you get the smicha? And you're going to say, no, but. He says, for that minute, not minute, that millisecond, that you're going to say no, and your wife is going to be disappointed. I want to save her from that tsar. So therefore, you have the smicha now. Because I don't want that scene of you knocking on the door and saying, yeah, no, but no. I'm worried about that.
0: And here we are back again. Um, we had an incredible opportunity to interview her by Scholar. One of the things I think was so critical that you have to, I'm blown away by always by, this, by these people, is just the extent of High Lifeline. For those who don't know High Lifeline, I'm sure you know of High Lifeline, one of the greatest organizations we have in Clawisville today. And it was started by an individual, as he said, that just got going in it. And just to, to, to be here and say it the way he said it, he was being humble. The, the, the kach that he put into this, and along the way, having challenges and when sh- should I leave and should I keep this going, this is sort of how it works. If you're out there thinking to yourself, well, it's not me. Yeah, it's not anybody until it becomes you. And it doesn't have to be high Lifeline. It could be your family. It could be your community. It could be the shul. Someone once told me that um, the person who's just cleaning up the chumashim in the back of the room when everybody leaves is is doing, he's no Sibolim havero. He, for all you know, it's the Kudosh Baruch who wants of him at that moment. It's the story of Mayor Schuster, who what he did for a living was he tapped people on the shoulder and asked them two questions. you got check to check out the film. He didn't have a yeshiva where he was giving speeches that were turning people upside down. He was tapping people on the shoulder and he was responsible for over 5,000 people coming back to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. because there's no one plan. There's no one thing. Everyone has their thing, and that's what, we, what we're getting, what we're learning. We've been getting emails in left and right. Thank you for sending them in. For those who are, who are tuning in right now, welcome to the radio show. We're talking about the concept of responsibility and to ability with my co-host, Jesse Freeman. Um, we've been asking people to send in stories of individuals who are not ordinary who have taken on major responsibility, and if those who want to do that right now, go to project, go to radio at projectinspired.com. I want to read one right here, sent in by Janaya Kerbin. Here's her email. I would have to say that there are many people out there who have inspired me, but I think it comes down to the regular people out there who are honestly bringing so many, so many people back in the most sincere and authentic ways. Big shout out to the Brooklyn families who host so many people every Shabbos and are bringing people closer to Judaism, to name a few. Dr. Fay Zakheim, who lost her husband Shlomo Zakheim. Four years ago, she and Shlomo had a Torah class at their house. And I remember Shlomo getting up and speaking about... I have chills Jesse, as I'm reading this. I remember Shlomo getting up and speaking about the amazing things he was involved with. I will never forget the story he told us about the Dream Team and how he helped this girl who had cancer get her last wish. I, I remember how inspired I was and how he used his resources to help so many others. From that moment, I developed an amazing relationship with Fay Zakheim and her family, and it's because of Shlomo Fan and their amazing family that I am staying strong and I am keeping Shabbos and Mitzvahs purely. This is unbelievable. Every, she didn't write that. I'm just saying that. Every week she hosts Secular Jews and honestly she's one of my role models and my inspiration. It is people like her and the countless families in Brooklyn who are honestly reaching out to so many every week when people text us to invite us for Shabbos. That to me is the greatest thing thing I can anyone can do is that unbelievable, unbelievable.
1: fresh head off the press right off
0: the press send in send in your stories because this is this is Israel. this is what we're here for this is who we are this is the people that we are this is the people that deserve Khalil, the base on Migdush. this is who we are right,
1: and the beauty of this also is that people can't write anonymous you know right that, but they can actually write names which we can mention you now
0: this is unbelievable. People, people, We'll try to get to all of you. If not, we'll, maybe we can even figure a way to post it somewhere so it doesn't go, you know, someone gets to read it and gets to be inspired by it. Um, but thank you for, for, for emailing in, and please can continue to do so. Um, we're going to move on with our second guest here. We've got an incredible guest here um, that's with us right now. Um, Rabbi Tzwi in is in town. Actually, he came in from Cleveland for to be here. Thank you so much for making that trip. The the story that you you can share with us is really one that we had the opportunity to speak a little bit before that's unbelievable. If you can, take us to, you know, the Belsky family clearly is a family that we know is a prominent family in Klal Yisrael and one that is very much well-connected with one of the greatest yeshivas in Klal Yisrael, the Yeshiva Tarvadas. Tell us a little bit about how Torevadas was even founded. Now you look around and go, oh, Torevadas, it came down from Shemayim and landed in Brooklyn. But really, how, how was it? Originally founded.
6: Okay, thank you, Charlie. So, Tabidash all started uh, with one yom kippur, one faithful yom kippur, 100 years ago. Will be this yom kippur.
0: <clears throat> 100 years ago, this yom kippur.
6: 100 years ago. Wow. Kipper, Yes. I like that. And I thank my cousin Benjamin Goritz, who did most of the research about my great grandfather's life. So, my great grandfather Benjamin Wilhelm grew up in Poland. Uh, when he was 12 years old, he lost his mother. Um, He wasn't able, his father was not able to take care of him when he was 12 years old, so he was invited by some cousins who lived in a different Polish city. They invited him in, he stayed with them for two years. After those two years, um, they moved to Iratisrol and they weren't going to take him with them. So he had to find a new place. So for a short while, he went from cousin to cousin and finally landed up in his grandfather's house, who was very poor. His grandfather only had one bed, and his grandfather slept at one end of the bed, and he slept at the other end of the bed. And uh, about a year later, Binyamin, young Binyamin, he was 16 years old at that point, he woke up to the traumatic discovery that his grandfather had died during the night. And he had to bury his grandfather, find the Heber Kadisha and bury his grandfather.
0: This type of background, by the way, as you're starting, I'm thinking, if this would be today, that kid would be totally blown out. I mean, the the level of tragedy that goes through before they're 16, it's unbelievable.
6: That's right, right. And um, he was all alone. Completely alone, a teenager. He had no money. Um, he was also afraid of being drafted into the Polish army. And he needed to do something. So he got a letter from a friend who had emigrated to the United States a year earlier. His friend said, come to America. There's a bunch of young guys who created like a fellowship called Chavra Adas Yisrael, And they had two bylaws. You had to keep Shabbos and you had to be Kaveitim Lataira, to be part of this Chevra. And he said, "Come join us. Come to America, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll make it. You'll be good. You'll to stay from." And Binyamin never went to yeshiva. He didn't have the opportunity to learn yeshiva, so he couldn't get his own passport. He was so alone. His friend sent him the passport by mail, and he came on his friend's passport. Talk about an undocumented citizen! Wow. And um, he came. He uh, he uh, settled in the Lower East Side in a tenement, got jobs, got fired every week because he was keeping Shabbos. And after eight months, he went into business on his own. So, he got married, he settled in the Lower East Side, and as the family was growing, they wanted to move to the more spacious Williamsburg across the bridge. But there was no yeshiva in Williamsburg. There was a yeshiva in the Lower East Side, RJJ, but there was no yeshiva in Williamsburg. And they said, we can't move to Williamsburg if there's no yeshiva. So, he started talking to some people in Williamsburg about opening yeshiva. And they said, there are so many a wonderful people in Williamsburg at that time. There were chasheva rabbanim, but they had tried so many times to open yeshiva and the attitude was despondency, despair, hopelessness. It was just dejection. They, they tried and they said, forget about it. This is America. This is Brooklyn. You're never opening yeshiva. We will never have yeshiva in Brooklyn. Wow. And he was really, really upset. And when he, he just, they, they said he was dreaming. But he did find the kindred spirit and an ally in one young Rav in Williamsburg, who was a Rav of a shul, Rabbi Zev Gold, who happened to have also been the head of Mizrahi in the United States, and he also found an ally in a businessman named Label Dershowitz, who actually gave him the idea to open a Yeshiva in Williamsburg. Label Dershowitz is the grandfather of the famous Harvard lawyer Alan Dershowitz.
0: So the people that started Torvadas was the head of Mizrahi and Alan Dershowitz's father. Grandfather. Grandfather. That's right. I love Klal Yisrael this is that's great right. and I it, actually I I got that. an
6: email from Alan Dershowitz last that's, Thursday confirming that and he said great. his grandfather label or Louis was very very proud to have been a part I love starting that. Yeshiva Tarvadas. Um, so he also got a lot of encouragement from his wife his wife encouraged him a lot and she baked all the cakes for the board meetings as they were trying to start the, uh, the yeshiva but anyway like I said Binyamin had no background he had no yeshiva background he was a simple person he had a son who needed a yeshiva and he was gonna work the general apathy was overwhelming, and um, Hishana Rab. He moved to Williamsburg. Hishana Rabba, 1917. There's a minute in some chassidish shuls that Hishana Rabba and I, They they read the whole Sefer Dvar Torah. So he right. walked in as they were getting ready to take the Sefer Tayr out of the Aron Kodesh. He blocks the path to the Arn Kodesh and he says, "You're not taking the Sefer Tair out. He demanded that he's been given he's, that he's going to be given the opportunity to speak. He spoke and he said, "Rabbi, this is a packed shul. It's a big shul full of adults. Where are your children?" Without a yeshiva, you're not going to have any
0: children. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't appointed anything. He wasn't appointed by anything. He was a regular he person. He was a
6: businessman. His store, Wilhelm's Housewares, is still on Division Avenue in Williamsburg. He was a businessman. He never went to yeshiva. He just took it upon himself. He took it upon himself. That's right. And that evening, in Hashanah Rabbah, he raised the seed money, the initial money, to support the opening of the yeshiva which was scheduled to open a year later after Sukkot, and one of the donors that night was a fellow named Yisrael Belsky, who was my grandfather he was a businessman actually a wealthy businessman at that time and he gave him a lot of money to help open the yeshiva. Wow. So, you know like we said next Sukkot they were going to open the yeshiva but by, by the time the summer came around they only had only enrolled 45 boys in sixth grades 45 students in sixth grades is not enough to support a yeshiva not, not enough to support a budget. Wasn't
0: Williamsburg packed with it Jews? Was packed. There were thousands and thousands of So, where were all those kids going? They were going to public school. They were How all come? going to public school. Because that was the, the, the milieu of the time? That where they felt was, like, was,
6: it people, was it too expensive? The, at that time, the Jewish people, from people, believed that in order to be able to make it uh-huh. in the United States, you have to go to public school go to college, you cannot go to yeshiva. They sent their kids to afternoon Talmud Torahs. Right. That was common. But a full-time yeshiva? Absolutely not. Unheard they of. Said it was unheard of. Couldn't happen. Except it was not RJJ, but in Brooklyn they refused to open. So, like I said, there were 45 kids enrolled, three days before Yom Kippur, school's supposed to open after Sukkot, is two weeks later, and there's 45 kids. The board gets together and they say, we don't have enough children to 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 fund the yeshiva we're not shelling out all the money to fund you know six kids per class so let's push the feeling was let's push off the opening yeshiva for a year later and we'll work this whole year on recruiting kids so my great grandfather had his son that's what it was all about he wanted his son to have a yeshiva and he was six years old he said can we sit three days before yom kippur and make a decision not to open a yeshiva let's push off the meeting till after yom kippur so they finally with a chuckle they said all right let's push off to after yom kippur that yom kippur he woke up early, davened for just a few minutes at home, didn't go to shul, and f- that yom kippur he spent his entire day going from shul to shul to every shul in Williamsburg, clapping on the bima and begging people, beseeching them: "There's a yeshiva opening in two weeks. Say, give us your children. We have the money. Just give us your children." And that yom kippur he enrolled fifty. Tell me them. Oh my God. He came home after Neilah. Almost <laughs> collapse from exhaustion. Unbelievable. But he had his list, and he wrote down all the names from memory. And 100 years ago, Yisrochak Sukes Tarvadas was born, and um, everything follows that yom kippur. Everything follows that yom kippur. He had a simple person. He had no intentions of being an askin. He had no intentions of doing great things for Kali Troll. He just had a son who needed a yeshiva, and he was going to do whatever it takes. One person to 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 make the and you know Tarvadas helped start Lakewood. Reb Shagafai will send to help Reb Hunter Tal in Berlin. Tells what started with help from Tar But it all started, all follows that one Yom Kippur.
0: It all follows that one bala bus that says, "That's right." No one appointed me to be in charge of the community, but there's a need. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily equipped for the need. But who cares? This That's is the right. story of, of, of great people.
7: That's right. Because that works.
6: That's right.
0: Unbelievable. That's right. You want to hear something amazing. One of
6: the students that Binyamin recruited that during that year was a little boy named Beryl Belsky. He was about five years old at that time. Beryl Belsky enrolled in, in the yeshiva. By the way, all his older siblings are not from. They all didn't go to yeshiva, but Beryl was the youngest, and he went to yeshiva and became from. And 20 years later, he became a son-in-law of Binyamin Wilhelm, and Beryl is my grandfather.
0: So, And Beryl uh, was and the, the father. Beryl's son, my right. father, was there, ended up being the yeshiva father. Unbelievable. So. And that, that, from, from the Balabas who sees... So from 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 Mr. Wilhelm, and having that Balabas you Belsky Senior giving him the money, to then getting his son to join, that's right. Which is a big deal for him. If he was a big Balabas, sure. he probably sure. just wanted his kid to be sure. successful as well in that's business right. and thinking that that's the way right. he become successful in business is public school. That's right. And then who knows that that would be one of the pillars in Collier's role. That's right. That's right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: Listen, and, and he took it upon, the way he took it upon himself. You know. He, you lay this down, Yom Kippur, you know, how many people would have told him, that, Yom Kippur, You know if and Shul, like yeah, he exactly. knew the future of Claudius so something in him said, the future of yeshivas yeah. is in this Yom Kippur, and that's where I need to be.
0: It's, it's unbelievable when you see the sort of the, the parallels in the story, even when we said earlier, the Rav Simcha here, Rameer Schuster, you see these parallels in the stories of... It all comes down to very simple principles, which is you really really after one person. It's not about building a massive organization. We think it's either going to be – it's a lot of times with people. It's like when are we building the, the worldwide? What's the worldwide? I want my kid to have a yeshiva. Right. I want, I'm, I'm looking at that one person. Right. But when you hit that darkness, that could be where Kodesh Baruch is testing you. You know what? It's not going to be easy. You started your yeshiva. You think you're done? You're not done. Now you're gonna hit the next next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge so ultimately you have to become someone that you're not. And your grandfather had to become the person that he wasn't.
1: That's right.
6: That's absolutely
1: true.
0: Unbelievable. Absolutely we true. we, we Unbelievable. know also,
1: you know, obviously a lot of the, the push for the show and the uh, the title of it is coming with our film The Man at the Wall.
6: Romeo's just they understand there's a family connection. Oh, yeah. With with Mayor Schuster here as well. So I remember one time, and I tried to get some details, and my father's not alive, so I couldn't ask him. But my father once told me with great emotion how many years ago, I think before Mayor Schuster even went to Narius' Yisrael, he stayed by him in Williamsburg, in my father's house. And my father said he was such an awkward and and shy person. But I saw in him a, a... a volcano of emotion to help you then ready to explode I Amazing. just saw that was and I, he said pre he him, uh, this was when he Mary Shuster was a young bacher before he, and he said um, he said he knew one day this person is gonna do wonders and later in my father's life my father worked very hard to get him and tell
0: me them to help support what Mayor Shuster was doing because of that but yeah wow unbelievable I know that that your father is known for going to Yosho during Tishbev, why was he constantly? And that, that's always been his connection. How that's right.
6: every Tishbev, My father spoke when he explained the kinesthus, tell me them in Camp Aguda, he always spoke about Yeshua oh, Melech. And um, Yeshua Melech was one of the last kings, and um, his father was and his grandfather was Menashe his father and grandfather were bigger shayim. they brought Kal Yisrael down the road of Aved <coughs> and other terrible crimes. And the Yeshio ended up becoming a very big tzaddik. What happened? After his father, Amin, died, and Kal Yisrael was worshiping, a very large portion of Kal Yisrael was worshiping Aved They really reckoned, uh, if you can say that, about Kal Yisrael in, in Eretz Yisrael at the time during the second base hamikdash. And he sensed, as an eight-year-old boy, he sensed that there was more than the foolishness that he was being taught by his father and he began to ask questions and he began to inquire and he began to search and he began to seek out people who can teach him who can teach him the right way and he became a Baal he ended up becoming like it says in the Kinnah the greatest king since Maishar yeah. and he taught HaYisrael yeah. to get rid of the desire, and he brought them back and Yerim made a Takana it's in Tanakh that we, every time we mourn over the suffering of Klai Shil, every time we cry about Klai Shil, we have to mourn over Yeshio's death. Why is Yeshio's death so important? So my father said, Yeshio's story speaks to every one of us. We, we can identify with his story. He didn't start out as a great tzaddik. He started out in an environment where he was prevented from learning the right thing. His father didn't let him learn about Torah. His father yeah. didn't let him learn about Yiddishkeit. And the people around him tried to hide the correct way from him. And he grew and he grew and he searched until he created the greatest wave of tshuva in our nation's history. And this is the punchline that my father said. Chazal say that what drove Yeshio, what was the call to action, what motivated him? He read the pasuk, You know what he said? The two most marvelous words ever. The most amazing statement. The job is mine. It's my responsibility. That call to action... Brought about the greatest wave of truth in our nation's history. Wow! That call to action is what motivated, what moved Binyamin Walm to open Tarvadas, and that call to action is what moved Mayor Shusta to embrace Jews and introduce them to the beauty of uh, to her life. Amazing! And that call to action is what should motivate every one of us to do that which Hashem gives us. And I'm to do. Amazing! And, and I, by the way, it's I not only—it's not unbelievable.
1: It's not only—it's not how they—it's not that they did it it's with with an emotion, and they gave their lives. You know, he, he, grandfather gave you and Kipper going to fifty schools. recruiting fifty students from all the schools in, in Williamsburg. There was a certain, there was a certain uh, passion that he knew this was the right thing to do. Um, we, you know, just just uh, to bring you uh, another short clip that we have. Um, and I wanted to thank you for coming yeah, in thank special. Thank you so much you for being thank here. Special coming in from Cleveland. I find it hard thank to you. come in for, mun- to, for months even. Yeah. This, but, uh, <laughs>
0: Try coming over thank to you. Bell Park. Right, exactly, pounds. right. No, but this means a lot that you're here, and yeah. it means a lot that we, we can. It's, it's important for the people that are listening and for us individually to be able to see something like Torah like your, You said it very quickly, but it's a point that I hope people take Lakewood and all the different yeshivas and all what's happened from Torah That's that, right. That so much of Klal Yisrael is, is, is sprouting from the, from the fruits of trees that are planted by parts of Kal Yisrael. And to think, just to put it all together, even when you talk about the initial seeds by Mizrahi, and you see that when, when you pull it back, we have different, we're all one people. And we all take care of each other. And at the end of the day, when we didn't have anything, everyone just sort of held each other's hands and made it work. And, And I hope that, at the end, of the, wherever we are right now, as much as quality soil continues to develop, we always remember we're still those same few people in Williamsburg or wherever we are that are always taking care of each other. And we, and we thank you for being here and sharing that uh, that, that story. And, and, and I know personally, I know it's going to impact a lot of people. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank, thank
1: you for, very well. much. I just want to take a note here, Charlie, that uh, Rabbi Mordechai Twersky, who hosts us here every year um, from uh, Tereshleimer, which yeah. – uh, we're streaming live at it. Right. Uh, he usually joins us every year. He's not feeling up to it, but I wanted to extend a thank you, Ashakayach, to Rabbi Tursky and his yeah. for once again here hosting us, um, hosting us here. You know, we, we've been speaking, Charlie, about about the um, emotion and the drive to get people. Uh, we are people who have who have set themselves on a mission um, to really get the job done. Um, you know, one one of the stories that. You come across in Remei Shister for the people who knew him is the Yashiv story. Oh, and yeah. and I've heard so many different versions of that story. And yeah. and you know, did he? What did he tell him? We'll see. We're going to see the clip yeah. in, in a moment. But I, you know, I I met Pesach Kron in, in Shul in Eretz Yisrael not too long, ago, a few weeks ago, and I told him that you know when you when you embark on a project, it seems that how are we ever going to get the content to really inspire people and. We know, you know and I know that Ruben Shalem will find his way to get you what you need. You know, we one of the things that missing in a film like a production like The Man at the Wall for Mayor Sal, is live footage. You know, in the, today everything you're videoing everything, you know, you walk down the streets of your everybody's holding their right. phone down, everyone's <laughs> videoing. But in those days, thirty years ago, forty years ago, no one was taking th- right. this footage.
0: I'll tell you a funny story quickly. You know that we we took a group to Israel every year, so the guys come and they dance in front of the. So we have like a pretty big Friday night. Sure, I've so been we, there. So you're right, you've been there, right? So at least if it's not you filming it, we turn around once, and there's about a hundred people from China that had come in, and we look around, and there's a hundred cameras filming it. So mm-hmm. someone's filming you somewhere. Someone's
1: filming, right? So, but thirty years ago, wasn't the no, case. No one's filming. And and so, true. True as I'm sitting here, I I went to a kiddish. I had a baby girl, they made a kiddish in in, uh, in Maladav, the neighborhood that I live in. And I, I walked up past Mrs. Schuster, R- R- Mayor's uh, Rebbiton. And I decided, you know what, let me stop it and say good Shabbos. Or, We've been working on this project together. And I knock on her door and I wish her good Shabbos. And she's so happy that I came, etc. And I, and I walk away. And as I walk out of the door, a fellow's coming up the stairs. A fellow that I grew up with, he's older than me. And he says to me, is that... With Mayor Schuster's Rebbetzin, I said, yeah. He said, wow, I remember her husband. I once filmed him tapping people on the shoulder at the hotel. Oh my god! <laughs> I said, you just have you have to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. I couldn't wait for Shabbos to be over. You know, I was at his house, like you know, at this man, <laughs> right, right, right. you know, and from the VHS tapes and uh, you know, and at the Digitized, and then of course, he kept telling me, I don't know if it's on there, I don't know if it's on there. But sure enough, we were able to get footage of our mayor live, and you see him urging this guy at the Kaiser, a few, a few of them, urging them, this is what he was about. And so, with that, you know, the, the Rebellion story about what took place, unfortunately, 44 years ago. Uh, Rav Meir Shuster lost daughter in a daughter in a tragic car accident in Yerushalayim and this is the famous story with all the facts involved uh, just to set the record straight it not been confirmed the following is a story the Rebelyashev story with Rav Meir Shuster Zetzal uh,
2: Rav lost a child many years ago he sent a Shaila to Rebelyashev uh, who was the paisik, the guardian of Eric Yisrael and he sent a Shaila to him, asked somebody to go ask a Shaila if he has to sit Shiva or not, because he says, it's at and every minute I'm away from the Kaisel or away from doing my work, I've read his so we're missing, we're losing people, losing kids, so I'm a to sit Shiva.
4: Now, Roliashev asked him that he has to sit Shiva, but Roliashev was so impressed by the deep sense of achrayas that Rav Meir had for Claudius Yisrael he was so impressed by the care and the love that Rav Meir had for every Jew that he decided to take out of his precious time and come be Menachem of Rav Meir if Rav Yashav could take out of his time to go meet Rav Meir all of us today on Tishabov can take out of our time and meet Rav Meir, get to know who he was where he came from and what he accomplished.
1: The uh, obviously, you know, coming off a story like that, it was just hard to fathom. Um, but it just showed the deep commitment that he had for his mission. Yeah. And that's what we're speaking about today, which is people who, you know, jumped into something. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were ordinary, didn't have the ability to to really take it on. But once they had, took the responsibility, they got the ability to take it on. That's what we're discussing today, which is part and parcel of what we're showing today.
0: Yeah. And we got a new email that just came in uh, about someone who, if you don't know, you should know, because there's an incredible book about her out there. Um, someone sent this email right now. People from all walks of life would walk into her home. People from the streets... Rabbis, non Jews, she would make everybody feel special. Heni Machas, her hugs were so special. She made you feel like you were one of the most you were the most important person. She had so much going on, but when you walked in she would call out to Mordecai, look who was here and who was on the phone. You felt important to her. And this is sort of the key Heni Machlas, for those who don't know, is another one of these real Tadikim, who was a American girl that came to Israel and no one gave her a job as, you know, Miss Hachnas Orchim. She decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open my home to people. And through difficulties, she she became the person that she's sort of meant to be. And this sort of theme that we're getting again and again, which I hope is being communicated in, in in a clear way, which is it's regular people becoming extraordinary by their actions and their responsibilities. Not the other way around, right?
1: And and actually, the film last year that Project Inspire did was about Henny Machlis. So you can watch this year's film and Henny Machlis film still go. before before the bagel. I didn't
0: even think that when I put that email. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I I, I, the, I don't have my vikias in Project Inspire films, uh, unfortunately. I'll, I'll fill you in. Thank you.
1: But that it, as well as the man at the wall, is available still at projectinspire.com before the bagels hit in about an hour. An
0: hour, one more hour left. So you get that. Well, they're watching the radio show now. So sure, but you can always do that for Shabbos Nachimo. Our next guest um, is the the head of one of the, the, I think, most powerful organizations in Israel. The organization is called Yad Eliezer. And uh, Rabbi Dovizel is here. And, Rabbi, the, the Yad Eliezer is, a, from what I understand, a $40 million budget organization that takes care of Almanas in a whole variety of interesting and incredible ways. We were talking earlier about some of the things you're working on in terms of wedding halls and packages and support. Tell us a little bit about the organization, what it is, and just the extent <clears throat> of what it does.
8: Yes, basically, it's not just Almanas. Almonos is one project. Yad has started as a small organization who gives food to poor families in Israel about 40 years ago. And when you see families who need help, not always the food is the only problem. So you realize that the kids need a big brother, and then they need a tefillin, and then they need this, and they need that. We have many, many programs. Each program is huge. And one of them is really the Almanaz Fund that started 10 years ago. But it's many uh, weddings, permits mitzvahs. Across, uh, across, across, across the spectrum. I
0: mean, it's, it's the one address that
1: everyone knows. Mm-hmm. If you need someone in help, you know, who needs help financially um, or many other <coughs> ways even. I know that there's a big brother program that you know, it runs, etc. It goes beyond that. But it's the one address that everyone knows.
8: In Israel.
0: Yeah. Amazing. How, how did it start?
8: My mother knew of a family, a family, a few, that really used to buy, uh, to borrow from them yogurt, cheese, eggs, and never never gave back. She realized that they don't have. So she sent my sister with her friends to collect food in our neighborhood, just to get some food, and she used to send them the food. That's how it started. (laughs) When you knock on the door and you ask for food, So some people give you food, and some people, instead of giving you food, asking you, really, you're helping people? We also need, or we have a neighbor who needs. So that's how it grows. You knock on somebody's door, you don't know if you're going to get a donor, but you're going to get somebody who needs, who's looking for a donor for food. Only talking about food, there was nothing there. At that time, my parents got to know Mr. and Mrs. Trapper here in New York. That... Dedicated their life, their life, absolutely their life, to help Jews in Israel, and they took this small Yad Leizer of food program to the next level, or maybe many, many next levels, and that's why it's that's how it looks now.
0: So when you when you were growing up, when you Yad Leizer started, it started with you and your family and your kid. Was where where was the first office? Was it in your house? Was it? I mean, w- w- how did how did it begin? Oh, here it is. Look at this. This that's, is this is your me. room. That's, oh. me. that's <laughs> me. That's me. So this is you. Gro- so this is the first office. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> first warehouse. The first <laughs> warehouse. There was no office.
8: There was no office. And uh, there was no this. office. The first office was about twenty years ago. Twenty years later, and now, as 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 you mentioned, it's it's huge. I mean, it's it's a huge program, and each program itself is could be. A, a, lo- a very very big organization, and uh, we take care of now just to food program about eight thousand families baby wow. formula we spend about a million dollars a year just to give babies baby formula um, meals on wheels wow. program um, the big brothers almost ten thousand kids at risk modest eight hundred dollars we're just starting now a single mothers program this month i heard about the wedding halls that you built, tell us a little about that. We have two wedding halls in Yerushalayim, two wedding halls in Ben Brak, and we just opened now in the south, just outside of Ashdod, three wedding halls, beautiful, magnificent. The idea of the donors was to make the nicest, the most beautiful place with a simple food, which means that the, when people come to the wedding, it should not be embarrassing, it should be beloved. But we're not into spending a lot of food and and, and flowers and this. So there's a takon hall. But when you go to the hall itself, it doesn't look like a takon hall. It looks like the most magnificent hall that exists in Israel. And Baruch Hashem will make seven weddings a night. Wow.
0: So if you can take us a little bit back to what we're talking about today here, which is the achryas of what we would call, let's say, ordinary people, but they're not ordinary. Living in the home of your mom... And seeing her and how she started and how she grew it, and then ultimately you took it over. What was it about her that gave her the the strength to start this and make it what it was?
8: We we all live in this world, certain amount of years, and chacham levi kach Some people understand that it's a olim over and you can you can just do a lot of things. What a, what one person, what one human being could do it's not to be believed. If my mother was not a healthy person, I never remember my mother, never in my life, not one time, in a restaurant, I never in my mo- uh, remember my mother goes on a vacation, on a trip, never, not one time, and sitting in, the, in, in her couch, because she, she doesn't even move so much, and building such a world of chesed, I think it's mechay all of us, that's what mechay me to do. Uh, yes, one person can do endless of things, what tremendous siyata d'ishmael! She understood that she is here to do something and to accomplish something, and she has the koiches to do it, and she did it. And baruch Hashem, it's 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 just.
1: Was ever a time that you uh, you approached your mother, you asked her, what like what were you thinking? Meaning, were you thinking this big organization, or were you thinking of helping the neighbor? And at what point did 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 she not look back anymore and say, okay? This is where this is where it's going. I'm going to ride the wave. I Meaning maybe it was maybe it was too much that you bit off, you know, too much.
8: I would say that none of us ever thought for the next step, because we would stop before the first step. <laughs> it's too scary. It's too big. It's it's more than forty million dollars, and it doesn't make any sense that we can raise this kind of money or we can even run such a organization properly. And Baruch Hashem, it runs properly. So everything was a pure, pure Kiddush Hashem and pure Tziyat HaDishmai. Nothing is even to think that. It's, uh, it's too big to think that you do something. Sometimes you get to a point that you realize right away that there's no way in the world that you do it. And yes, whenever we're starting a new program, and every program that we start, as I mentioned before, we're just starting this month, a new project, and I'm sure it's going to be huge with Tziyat HaDishmai without even thinking how. A lot of hesitations before any program because the experience shows that Hashem gives us programs and then it becomes a world. But Baruch Hashem, it's, it's the, 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 the always the goal is to help another Jew, always the goal is to feed another baby, always the goal is to to, to, to marry another couple or to help another almona. should not be more almonis, but any almona that existing. And always the goal is to, to make the life, to try to make the life easier to one more person. It seems like there's a
0: theme in that, in hearing this again and again and, and from you and, and, and your responsibilities now. and It seems like the theme that I'm hearing again and again is that when, when someone's focused on not the future, on that one person, on just being able to do a chesed for one person in front of them, and being able to understand that even when it gets difficult sometimes, that they, their job is to sort of continue on in the darkness and trust that the Kodesh hu has got a plan. That seems to be the path that people are taking. When you get too big, it becomes, you get lost. It's that next person, that making them the actual tangible difference, and that when, when you're in a situation where it gets to be difficult, you don't have to figure it out. You've got to just keep on pushing and let the Kurdish Baruch Hu do his part.
8: Exactly. I want to hear something smart of my wife that I learned from it a lot to my work with the crowd. I always ask my wife, Baruch Hashem, we have ten children, God bless you. and I said, tell me what helps you? When you go to the hospital, on a labor, I saw that something different than everything else, everybody else. And she told me, you know what? I'm trying not to think about myself. I'm thinking about the baby. And it helps me, gives me koyach. I said, wow, I'm thinking about the people who knock on my door, not about me, how I'm going to get the money. Now about me, how I'm going to approach this guy again and tell him about this story, about that story. I'm trying to think, and that's the... That's the message of Yad Eliezer. Never to think about our own To think about the people who are just like us. They're not less than us by nothing. Hashem gave us a job. Hashem gave somebody money. He gave him a job. Hashem gave me Yad Eliezer. He gave me a job. And Hashem gave the poor person. He gave him a job. And each one has a job. And together it's a picture. And if somebody is missing one piece of the puzzle. So that's not a picture. So he doesn't have money. He has no choice. He took the job that Hashem gave him. I have a choice. No, I don't have a choice. Hashem gave me a job. I have to do it. I'm here 20 times a year because I have to do it. And the person who has the money, Baruch Hashem, also doesn't have a choice. He has a choice to choose between this and that. But Baruch Hashem, and mikham choyisuol that so many millions just to one organization taking of so many people care, taking care of so many people, it shows that people understand the message that Hashem gives them. And I want to I want to say that it's unbelievable, not to be believed, the amount of chesed, with simcha, with smile, that people here in America. Helping people they don't even know. They never met. They never saw. It's a an Nisayun. It's a tremendous Nisayun. You're coming home for work. You didn't see your children. You didn't see your wife the whole day. People knocking on the door. People calling you. People here. And people do it again and again and again. Day after day after day. And most people, I want to tell you, most people with Simcha, with happiness. They want to do Tzedakah. They want to do Chesed. I think it's, 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 it's not to be believed. I'm not sure. We are in Israel. We are in this nation. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our understand, But we, like you said, we're a picture. Exactly. exactly. We all come
0: together. Exactly. We all come together. And, and
1: again, it, there, there is a thousand reasons that she didn't have to take it, take this on. You, you said that she wasn't a well woman. She could have, uh, you know, called her neighbor and said, you know, I don't have the kayak for this or I don't have the ability to do this. You're much better at this. You can move better than I can. You should take this on. But she recognized, your mother, that this was her opportunity and she just stepped in and did And I think that that's the theme that we've been, you know, yeah, been discussing here right. today.
8: Exactly. My mother and Mrs. Trapper together, they decided... I want to I I emphasize, it's important for me because to talk about somebody is, is in Israel that you don't know, we're talking about two blocks away from here, the corner of 26 and K. Mrs. Trapper had 11 children and the kitchen was the office. And sitting there and working 24-7 day and night, pouring... Elf Pesach, after Pesach, and just helping people in Israel. This is, this, is, this is the mysterious Nefesh that on that mysterious Nefesh is built the huge tower of Yad Eliezer that you see now. It's not me. It's not me. It's not Arya. Arya is the son of the trappers who helps me to run Yad Eliezer. He runs the Yad Eliezer in America now, and I do it in Israel. It's not about us. It's about the parents who gave their life with tremendous mysterious Nefesh for many, many years. Now it's easier. Muhanshi. Well, well, thank you so much for being here. Hashem should thank
0: continue you. to bless you and to, to have matzleich and all that you do. And you should be Zocha to be at a time where you get to see the Kurdish Broch who's taking care of all these people for you. We should retire you out of Eliezer and should be able to sit and be nan of all the things that you've done. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. I want to read one more email that just came in. Um, it says as follows I'd like to mention a wonderful woman who lives in Muncie, New York. Her name is Razel. Razel Weiss. Reisel Weiss for over 35 years that I know, that I know her opens, opens her heart and home to women who don't have a kosher mommy in their lives. Her husband, Rav Chaim Volval Weiss, is a Dayan at Machon Lehorah, and their Hachnasus Orchem is amazing. Mrs. Weiss hosts guests all these years to girls who are beginning to learn Torah. They are a Chesidish family. But, ne- but I've never felt uncomfortable But never felt uncomfortable opening their home to people who don't know about Torah yet. I was lucky to have met the Weisses about 35 years ago, and Mrs. Weiss was my Shadchan. All the families call her Tanta Reisel, and that is what she is, a warm Tanta opening her heart and home for others. She hosts a shir of Esther Baylor-Schwartz and the community in her home every Tuesday on Shabbos in the summer. Various speakers and rabbunim, and teachers give beautiful shirin for the rabbunim. It's a schus to know her and be part of her special extended family. I got to tell you, I'm like exhausted from this. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is really, truly on. I hope that the people that are at home, that are listening, that are watching, are getting the, the, the consistent message. We didn't plan any of this. Like we, had, we, we, we just took great people and put them in the room. No one planned that what Rabbi Simcha Scholar said and what Rav Svibelsky said and what what he just said a minute ago, Rav Dov Wiesel said a minute ago, the, the themes that are so parallel, it's unbelievable. It's almost like the blueprint of an a ordinary individual stepping in right? Mysterious Nafesh, focusing on one person. Stop thinking big. I see those people sometimes. They're ready into like, what What do we do when? I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Like, just help the person down the block. Like, the, the Hasagas that even exist today didn't exist back then. Think about what Torvadasik accomplished. And it was one Balabas who just knocked on people's doors and clopped on Bimas on Yom Kippur saying, give me your boys. But just people that are Going to go beyond their comfort to help another Jew. That's the game. That's the only. It's like as if that's the only prerequisite. You don't need the DNA. You don't need the brilliance. You don't need the family. You don't need anything. You know what you need? The ability to go outside your comfort zone to help another Jew.
1: Right. And and you know what? What? It's all been the theme. You know what hit me most about um, about to, to over that story with her by Wilhelm was that it was going to collapse. Meaning. Come Yom Kippur, the thing was over. Somehow he asked that it should be extended beyond, having no idea how he was right, gonna get it right. done. And then Yom Kippur went shul to shul. Sometimes when it gets to a point of like, okay, I tried. I tried. Right. You know, but but it's not happening. Like, I won't be one of those famous organizations, I won't be one of those big, you know, yeshivas. It didn't work. I tried. Yeah. I certainly get score for that. But at a certain point it comes to a time that if I'm really going to make this happen, I have to take this on. Yeah. And there specifically, he went on his own, gave up his yom kippur for it, and and you know and, yeah. and knocked and, and knocked on the, the beamers, dangled the beamers, and it would be one of those shuls. I think this is
0: where it comes from, and I think this is the difference for those of you who are having this in your mind like we are right now, and stick with us on this. I think this is the difference here. I think this is the distinction. Reb R- said it a minute ago, and I think this is this is I think, and I, I don't know. Maybe we can ask when, when the show is done, I think when push comes to shove and you've tried and you're ready to give up, if it's about you, you'll give up. If things are about yourself, when that first wall hits, you're like, I'm done. Yote, click, check. Come to Shemayim. I'm not a regular guy. But when you have the face of that person in your mind, when you have that little boy, like you said, I want my six-year-old to go to school. Right? Like he was saying, when that person knocks on my door, I'm not thinking, like, how am I raising the money? I'm thinking, I want to feed that family. That baby. Right? When, when some of the scholars are sitting here and going, no, 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 it's not about the organization. It's about the next person. The way they all do it is what they're thinking of is the next the, the person. Because if it's about me, I am not going to be uncomfortable for extended periods of time. The, the strength that we need to go through long periods of time, needs to come from a place of somebody else. It's the Moshe Rabbeinu of somebody else. Right? The sheep on my back. And that's the difference. It's not what you got. It's what you're willing to give up for, some, for one other person. Right? That's my sister's life. Right? It's not Kalal Right, we say the word Kollel as if like we like our organization is like benefiting Kollel Right? It's not. It's, it's not. about the individual. It's one person. It's the tap on the shoulder. That's right. all it is. If and that tap can be your kids. That tap can be the the, the the next door neighbor. Right. The story we just did a minute ago with with Mrs. Weiss. Right. It could be the community around you. These are the small things. It's, it's
1: not the people you see in the brochure of the organization. Right. It, could, it it could be that person that you're helping right next. You know. Yeah. Right you could be. You
0: can be the great. You can be making the biggest difference in the world, and you never leave your block, and no one but the people around you know you. But your your impact can be unbelievable. Even what he's saying right now, when he's built this over forty million dollar budget, right, and, he, and he's saying it straight. It's not me. It's my mom, Mrs. Tropper, on the phone with the kids. And make, it's the small, and you never hear about them.
1: Right, I, I think I think that the point that that he was bringing out with that, which is which sometimes gets lost on us, is that we look at an organization, we say, "Wow, what an empire!" I think what he was pointing out is most times. There was a lot of mysterious nefesh. Yeah. People gave up their right? Here All the time. Right. <laughs> gave the they gave up their, their comfort. Yeah. They gave up their money. They gave yeah. up their sleep to build that. And sometimes we look around and say, "Wow, look at this you know, great organization. Rabbi Scholar mentioned it. Dovizel mentioned it. That it, it, There's a foundation over there where yeah. it came from somewhere. It came from someone's sweat and blood. And it came from a lot of Seat Deshmaya yeah. to build that up.
0: Yeah, yeah amazing amazing
1: so do you have any more, any,
0: any clips for us yeah
1: we, we're going to we're going to go to a commercial break over here um and we'll come back we're going to discuss more of the film again for those that are watching it's still available at projectinspire.com we don't have we don't have a bagel for the next 45 for the next 45 minutes or so so uh, keep on going keep yes, on going going that's projectinspire.com um, again, I, I wanted to mention, the, um, big productions, how could we oh, show without Guy mentioning Guy, Orman, uh, Guy and his, and his, uh, and his crew. I have a and, message to send. And who was, uh, and, and, you know, for his crew that put together, um, the Project Inspire film this year, I know they put together the Project He's Witness the film yeah, as well, yeah. uh, which was Siberia, which actually means a lot to me. I didn't get to finish the film because, uh, my grandparents were actually sent to Siberia. Mm. So I'd like to, I'd like to have an, up, an opportunity to, uh, to watch the rest of that film, but that's mm-hmm. available online. As well, on Project Witnesses website, we spoke about the Chavitz Chaim, and you mentioned on the outset that so much is available. I uh, I tuned in, I was watching about the kin of Vayikunin. You know your show that there's nothing you can't get yeah. today, and it makes it so easy. And included in this are all the films we just mentioned. Uh, we're going to go to a commercial break. We have more of the same. More people who stepped up into a role. Yeah,
0: um, we got and- a great one coming up. On don't go anywhere because we've got a great one coming up on the back end. Um, an organization that I'm sure all of you know, and really is an organization that is has has, has a strong foothold on Tisha B'Av. So um, this is all going to come up on, on the way out,
1: right? And we we, we just a uh, message from our sponsors. We're going we're to roll the uh, roll the footage of our sponsors, who of course you know have helped uh, put together the film. Um, as well as this radio show. Before we go to that clip, I just wanted to mention another sponsorship came in um, for a chusufu shalema, all inspiration from this show. It should be a chusufu shalema for Avon Tzvi Ben Sima. Before we
0: go, remember, if you have stories, send us in. Project Inspire, uh, sorry, radio at com. radio dot com. And before we go, I want to just make sure we remember that, that line that he said, Rav Dovizel, if you think too much about the last step, you're never gonna take the first step. What? Godless. I love it. We'll be. We'll be right back. <laughs> Here we are back again talking about the idea of taking responsibility. If you're out there right now in your head, you're probably thinking, "Can I do this?" And the answer is, of course, you can, because you're given a soul that is part of our people. And if you're if you're thinking of somebody that you should be helping, it's because you should be helping them. Some of the greatest people that we have in our nation, we don't know. Some of the greatest mothers and fathers are given children that are very difficult. Maybe they have special needs. Maybe they have other issues. And just how you treat them. How much love you pour into them? You're you're a hero. People on people on the street, people on the block. That person you stop on the street and say, "Come for Shabbos." The story you, you read this earlier from Janaya Kerman about just the people in Brooklyn that she mentioned. It's it's, in, it's so many communities. If you're there, just ask yourself right now. It's Tish above. It's Tish above. Just for one minute, me and you and everybody around. Just just take a minute and tell ourselves, there's so much more I could be doing if I just extended myself a little bit further out of my comfort zone, a little bit more in my head, the picture of that person who needs the help and not me who needs to be comfortable. And as we just sort of continuously move further and further down that road, we become the people that we're meant to be and that we always inside had us. We had it inside us. Always, We have someone on the phone today who is definitely a person like that. His name is Yosef Davis. He is one of the founders of Torah Anytime. Yosef, welcome to the show. Hi,
9: Charlie. How are you?
0: I am wonderful. And for those of you who... I, mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't know Torah Anytime anymore. Like, I would say for those of you who don't know. If you don't know Torah Anytime, I don't know where you've been this Tishabov. But I think it's every Tishabov, Yosef, that Torah Anytime almost crashes from the amount of people that, that log on. Is that true? Well, we haven't crashed uh, Thank God. So, yeah, it's a Big server That's for sure. Baruch Hashem. You should you should always never crash. Um, so tell us a oh, little man. bit. Tell tell us a little bit. Torah anytime is one of the most ubiquitous names today in in Torah online. As you say, it's the it's God's reason for the internet. The amount of shiurim that people are downloading and seeing on Torah anytime is literally. Not it's incomprehensible to anybody that was around or alive 10, 15 years ago to think this is happening. Tell us a little bit how it started, and well, before you do that, tell a little, tell us all a little bit about where it stands today. Let the audience get a sense of the extent of Torah any time. Um, we we're still, you know, we're not going to uh, go into all the analytics and tally up all of the steps and count the over, uh, but uh, we've
9: definitely um, exceeded. It. So, you know everything that was happening last year I can tell you last year we had about hundred and eighty eight thousand unique visits through the website the mobile app and the telephone system that we have available and uh, there's also a real quick channel as well uh, but uh, it was it was, it was it, it, beyond anything that we imagined either we were planning for you know for for anything we opened up the servers and we did everything we do the load balancing, and the testing, all of the you know, the technical work that went into it and uh, managing all the streams. But, uh, you know, the, the amount of people, the sheer amount of people that want to learn in qualify and, yourself and have a desire to just, you know, to do what you, I think what you were mentioning before, is reach a little further. We've been so, so glad safe? to see it from, yeah. from our vantage point. Yes, y- Yosef, I, I Yosef
0: mean, uh, you, you, we have a little bit of a bad connection. Do me a favor, just hang up the phone. We're going to call you right back. I'll
1: call you right back. But, but Charlie, you know now we have Yosef on on the phone. You know, once upon a time, you know, you know, we we run many conventions and weekends. You know this because I bother you a lot. You know, <laughs> I but, so. but uh, you know, it used to be that, like, oh, oh, you know, we should get such and such. You know, this certain speaker. He's the rub of of this shul. He, you know, he's the executive director here. Today, it's like the new bio of speakers is that he has the most hits on Torah <laughs> anytime. You know, he is the most watched Rav or, or, or Rebbe on, on, uh, on Torah anytime. It became a platform yeah. where it doesn't have to be in a shul. It doesn't have to be anywhere, but literally anywhere, driving or anywhere, walking. This, oh, it's
0: unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
1: And and Tishabov is obviously uh, you know, the amount of programs that, they, that are running daily. Uh, and besides and, the, Tisha and Bugs, the whole
0: team, the time team, all of them, there's a, there's a chevr of these tzaddikim. They're everywhere, and not only that, but people don't realize the volunteer, the volunteer army that they have. I was upstate, and a guy's like, "Hi, mind if I to film you." I'm like, "What? How did you get here?" I, I mean, he's like, "I'm just here volunteering for I'm Like, are you kidding me? We
1: ran a we ran a Yarchikala for Rav Noach the in uh, in Neretz Israel. Before we knew it, there was a team that showed up. You know, they were covering the shiurim over there. It, it's it's literally unbelievable. And by the way, you think this is simple? You know, they have to no. it. they download it, they upload it. Yeah. Israel internet speeds. You know, it can take them all night just to get the shiurim <laughs> up online. But there's nothing that will stop
0: them. They transcribe this guy. it every week. I got a thing. You know, it's unbelievable.
1: It, it's they really become. They've really taken all the shiurim and all the ability to go to different shiurim and bring. You know, they bring it to you whenever you want. Um, you know, it's the, it's, it's the kosher Netflix, if you will. You know, it's like whenever you <laughs> I don't like, know what that is, oh, what yeah. are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I don't know what you just said. We're just seeing, we're trying, we're trying to get him back on a uh, little, little technical difficulties here, but this is all part of the radio. We're trying to get
1: him on the web there. Yeah, there's no technical issues. You know, right. it's the phone that became a technical, uh, right. But for those, for those who are
0: tuning in right now, we got him. Yosef, you back?
9: I am back.
0: Okay. A little bit better. Thank you so much. Okay. So we we're, we're just singing your praises here. Um, so let's sort of jump in. Can you just give us a little bit about how it started right now when you go to tour time you think that there's you know the 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 full faith and confidence and the power of a massive server and team behind you but tell us a little bit about what was the beginning like what what was the first time how did it start so so started with uh with, uh,
9: with um uh, Shimon's actually, his brother's name is, uh, Ruben, so we get confused sometimes a little bit. It so hasn't been any, uh, the story about how it started. Uh, it's called the Shimon, Ruben, Ruben, and Shimon. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it can get confusing, but, uh, then actually a, that's their name. Shimon is, uh, Ruben's older brother. And, uh, they came there, they immigrated over from, uh, from Uzbekistan, from Iron Curtain, uh, in Russia. And, uh, they moved to Forest Hills uh grew up right you know right in the neighborhood and uh saw a lot of growth and uh they you know they attended um they both of them attended public school and uh Shimelow started going to you know through uh like an after school it's kind of the during school program uh right by Deutsch or his name is and he, he took him out took him out of school and uh and then got you know got permission from his parents. Um got less some amazing people and uh and he he uh started going to Sh William, we started going to Sheerum at the uh, Vizca Rio at the Tower Center in uh Florence where Charlie you were just uh earlier today and uh, actually last night, right? Mm-hmm. Last night. And um so they they started, you know, they some of the friends and family that they weren't going to be able to show um really uh that they weren't gonna really Feel comfortable going into a show, going to a you know that kind of setting and environment where they'll be able to see their experience this year and feel the energy of it, you know, the power of it. But, but Shimon was on fire, and his dad actually gave him a video camera. He used to do uh, weddings and bar mitzvahs and photography, and Shimon picked it up as a, as a hobby. Uh, and his dad, being his first video camera, he went. And he went to record, I think it was, uh, Robert Bessler in, uh, in Florida, uh, in Fisco Rio. And, uh, you know, she was making CDs and, and, uh, DVDs and making copies of them. At the time it was, uh, yeah, basically she was working in a, in a computer, yeah, in a computer shop on, on, Main Street. Uh, and, um, this was back in, we were talking 2006, um, when we first started recording and spreading, you know, not anything online, but it was all just a grassroots, um, you know, just community projects that, that they just wanted to spread out to people that they knew. Um, they started giving out CDs. And oh, that's how it started with CDs.
0: Started Is that how it started with CDs? They were first filming people and then just giving out their CDs all over the place.
9: Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh wow, I didn't we had know. A that. Copy of a CD copier with eight trays, and we used to just make. Like, boom 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 you know bang out oh they would knock out CDs and down.
0: hand them out oh my yeah, gosh Burn
9: them on the spot
0: that's what they would do they would they would film it and then burn CDs and hand them out
9: yeah not even on the spot it was, uh, the internet was crawling. we're, we're spoiled today with what we having technology how far it's come uh, there was really there was no the issue wasn there was no Torah that you can get there was no video specifically on that. if you' searched anywhere you know, even Google was just uh, figuring things out in digital
0: age. And hold on, back in, you know, hold on. Do you? Do, can you remember that? Do you remember? Hold on. Oh, yes, I'm just jumping in. Can you remember that time that he just said? Did you, uh, could everybody lo- understand? Like, there was a time, do you remember, where you went online, Google was figuring it out, and you Googled Torah. Can you imagine? Torah, no... No results. Right. What zero, do you mean? Zero, results, zero. Unbelievable. So when that was going on, the technology. I think we don't. What we don't appreciate. You may appreciate this more. What we don't appreciate, regular people, if you will, is the level of technological advance to allow sort of this. Everybody can make films. That, that's a new thing, right? Even when it was first started, people weren't making films like this.
1: Right. You, you know, Yosef, I mentioned when you were off the air, try, we were trying to get you on, that once upon a time when you were looking into someone's bio, whether to invite him to a weekend convention, it was, you know, he's the rub of this shul, he gave a shear on this, he was on Torah tapes, you know? Right. And now it's like, well, he's got the most hits on Torah anytime,
0: you right, know? Right,
1: So that, that's been the platform where people have come to hear shiurim that were given anywhere.
0: But what's great about what you're saying here, first of all, I know Reuven and Shimon well. They're incredible. I mean, they were, I saw them last night. I mean, these guys are just off the charts. I mean, dedicated like you cannot believe. Um, but what's amazing is that just hearing you tell the story, Yosef, that in the beginning, this wasn't even an online thing. They were just wanted shears to get out. They were burning mm-hmm. and just giving out shiurim. Unbelievable. Yeah, Dissemination of Torah. That That's was... what it was. But the same thing, right? It's the same story. One person, one CD. So you were saying, Yosef, jump back in, yeah.
9: Oh, yeah, and so in and, and you're one hundred percent right. I mean, it was it was really like that. Was a the digital world was a wasteland. I mean, it wasn't uh, there wasn't anything there. There was nothing for anybody any year any to do online that was worthwhile. Except maybe there was like. Uh, I think it was a site, way It was, um uh, Robinson Smiles, Final Smiles. He put up, uh, right. you know, and it maybe uh, it was Rabbi Haber, you know, from, um, from, uh, from, the now. But it, it was, that was just, um yeah, you know, him and it wasn't video, there was just audio, and it was sparse, it was very sparse. But, so, when, when I came back, I was, um how did I get involved, uh, just in this whole picture? I came back from Israel, I was learning to I was, uh, in the army for a bit, uh, I, uh, came back and just wanted to, you know, just be back here for a little bit before I went back to Israel. I was very, you know, it, my, my life, I had my friends instead to be over there, but I met, um, shimmel my, uh, I had a group of friends and we used to learn in the background of Moses Isaac all down the stroll on 73rd Avenue in Queens. And uh we sit there in the uh, brushes and and the road would come in every once in a while and you know, give us a share. and he you and know, we thought we were uh, encroaching on his uh, territory, but he, he was so loving and so so you know, just good to us and he treated us like his kids. He was like, Come on guys, he used to come in before the Kagim and give us these great dresses and little sharing and this his look and, and so Shimon um showed up with a camera one day, and I had no idea who he was, and I said, this is our little, uh, you know, group of friends that we just met here, and you know, what, what are you doing here with the camera? He's like, I have a computer store around the corner, and uh, we have this little, you know, kind of project that we're doing. I saw he was so, he was so busy. <laughs> he was so busy. He just, that's the one thing I remember about him, that he was just like, he, he, you know, he had so much going on, Um but he had this, pa- this passionate desire just like, okay, I mean, you know, this like, you know, this this, this humble, quiet, so, that's I thought I could describe it best. And I said, you know what? I, I connected. I said this is this is amazing, you know, spreading Torah uh using technology. It's just something in in it, something about it, it's just like wow. So, you know, in between uh going to college and volunteering uh and uh in another organization and you know trying to start my own personal finance business and uh working in Sushi and on uh I, I went to uh you know volunteering time. I used to spend six hours a day uh over there and uh Shimon was you know very busy and uh we just we picked it up and we said, you know what what kind of energy and uh, and and brains can you put to this to just grow it and, and the reason we did that was because we started getting emails uh and I skipped I skipped the beat by the way but my Ruben took a he was in he was in IT. He was uh he's a great great with IT. Uh, he worked for Toto University. He took a very rudimentary internet Where's basic, you know, HTML, how to make a website. But he figured out the rest on his own, and that was the first, in 2007, that was the first site. So Amazing. I became you know, once the brothers started it up, I became the first volunteer and the three of us used to sit in the back of the computer that's called a computer hospital, uh right down the road from are uh, a couple stores away from Schill's Pizza in uh Queens and it was in the back of that uh you know that that's fun. In the winter it was freezing, the cold it was coming through the floors and you couldn't wear straps thick enough or boots thick enough to stop that we put down the Madison and carpeting on the floor, but it's still didn't wear. you know, we were tapping away. Sometimes the injury had to go down for hours. And we just, uh, it didn't matter. You're, just you're,
1: just Yosef, if you're, you're saying that you ba- you basically, you you had technical challenges along the way, similar to this phone call, I guess, yeah. you know? No, no, but
0: it's it's really <laughs> it's really special to hear the story of what you guys went through in terms of the level, level of dedication of sitting in some small little store next to the greatest pizza store of all time. And um, just, you know, for... If you don't, if you don't know why I said that, it's okay. <laughs> but um, and, and and the cold and, and, and fighting through it, and I think that's really what it comes down to. And y- I think
1: Yosef, what, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Yosef, is it, does it ever come a time, you know, now that you've passed a lot of the technical challenges, and obviously there's money involved, that you look at you look at yourself in the mirror and say, like, why do I need this all? Like it's just too hard. And what what dry, what, what, what drives you to really keep going, you and your team, to keep going.
9: Yossi, know, I have to tell you that, that that thought never enters my mind. It, it, it wow. never enters my mind. That's and awesome. I, don't, I don't think in those terms of all of oh, this is too much, but the reason is, is because there's, there's, we, we recognize and, and understand the value in taking Hashem's Torah and spreading it to the world. Anything that happens within that zone, anything that happens, the dog battles, it's just the situation. The Itza Hara is coming, and he knows, the Itza knows, knows how good it is when one kid, one Jew tries to build one disease, one missile, one, he knows, and we know that he knows, because we've hit so many challenges. So you know, call it call it great. You know, it's a, you know, call it whatever you want to call it. But we have perseverance. I mean, Amistos didn't get to where we are today without perseverance, without the great people that made it. And we're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, we, we don't we, we don't have this part of our vocabulary of you know, oh, just uh, it's a rough day, just to like, uh, pack it up and go home. Amazing. That's that's, that's the, the it, message. The we have to yeah. them, Forget about it. Yep.
0: Yep. That's, you that's know. definitely it, Yosef, That is definitely the message. The message is definitely. Um, what you just said a second ago, which is which is why is so successful. Which is why it's got thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, which is why three guys are able to do the things that probably requires a full network on television or whatever to do. Um, it's because of this concept of we got to focus, we got a mission. I'm never stopping, and if I'm stopping, it's a sitra achra. I identified my issue, identified my enemy. Our job is bringing Torah into the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, Russ, I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you on. <laughs> and when,
9: can I had one, one tiny thing to, to what I just said. If you don't mind, I just want to sure. get it out because it's just important. Um, if you can give me like 10 more seconds sure. just to say it. I don't want to hijack the radio show, but uh, I have to tell you that, that all, all that being said, nothing. we never expected that thirty time would be where we are today. We never had a goal of saying yeah. we're going to be the biggest Isn't or the that? best or the most wonderful in class. Well, all we wanted to do yeah. was take the next step. And it's just, you know, we just want to take the next step and focus on what's the right here and right now and and both and it's
0: working. Amazing, and it should continue to work. You should be Zoka like I said last night oh, at the man. at the at the event. You should be Zoka to live streaming Mashiach. Maybe you, you guys, what I'm sure oh. you hit that. But all, there's a couple of people out there that are streaming all day long. Hashem I should, I should be like, listen, Mashiach should contract you.
1: It'll, it'll a, ha- be a break in one of the films. You know, excuse me. You know, <laughs> just uh, to film right. the film side, uh, right, side right. show here. Yeah, I thank I, you,
0: Yosef. We really appreciate it.
9: I want to take this. Thank you for making this forum and for creating this forum And thank you. This is beautiful because to right at the end of the most, uh, you know, one of the longest paths that so we have. Phenomenal! You should keep up the we should and keep Amen. And we should reach the major heights together.
0: Amen. Amen.
9: Thank you, Yosef.
0: I, I got to tell you something about Yosef Yosef Davis is such a. He is. He is really indefatigable. If I got that word out right, he is really one of the few people that I know that is uh, on. Real he does not stop he does not breathe you ask him to show up he is it's on it's that same it's a, it's a consistent message messirus nefesh don't look too far ahead focus on the value and and, and keep focus
1: on the one person who's going to get exactly. the CD and take it home. It, it all focuses yeah. on the yeah. one person who could learn more Torah because of that app. I'm and I want to steal this segment. I'm taking notes. Sorry, if you don't my notes here is I'm going to steal this segment okay. from you this time, is okay. that okay. There's, other, there's one more common denominator here by scholar. I uh-huh. was the only one to mention this, is that, oh no, right, Zell also did, is that all of this takes special wives. Oh, Who are yes, committed, for sure. who are you committed do that to first. this as I was well. gonna do that by the way next. Just I know, so you yeah, understand. that's why I stole it, because you stole it the, the, the last wives. few years. So maybe. But the <laughs> but because because the fact that the fact that we all can do what we can do Absolutely. as well as everyone who sat in this chair here as well, as well as Yosef on the phone, we're all able to do this because we're committed to it and they're committed to yeah. it, but they also have a family where yeah. said they've sacrificed the yeah. most sometimes that's the case in order to really give the time necessary Absolutely. for the cloud and that's that's been a common denominator as well no on no uh, just going back for a moment if you don't mind to the the Havetz Chaim film where my friend had mentioned in uh, along the lines of Neusabal and Haveri mentioned the story of Rabaruch Behr giving smicha to Rabbi Scheinberg mm-hmm. well, more contemporary you know if I feel like Rabaruch Behr it's almost like yesteryear of those people they were really tremendous yeah. you know a yeah. hundred years ago they were you know they were really tremendous but he, he then goes on to tell a story of Rav Svi Finkel, which I find to be so simple, mm-hmm. yet it really drives home the message okay. of really loving another Jew. And I want to go to that clip, because I think that's something practical towards the end of the fast that we could really take home with us.
7: A Talmud calls up from Svi Svi Finkel, and he tells him his wife is in the hospital, she's in labor, and there are serious complications with the labor and the delivery. He asked Rav Nosan Tzvi, can you daven for my wife? Rav Nosan Tzvi takes her name and he davins for her. The next morning the Talmud calls up Rav Nosan Tzvi and says, and he says Rav Nosan he says to him, mazel tov on the maidel. mazel tov on the girl. So he says, how does the Rashiva know it's a girl? So since he told him, because I stayed up a good part of the night and I kept on checking with the hospital, what's the situation? And finally they told me she delivered and Baruch Hashem, everybody's healthy. From Meishu Abenu to Rav Baruch Ber to Abnosan Tzvi that's the hallmark of a good old Israel. We're back here
1: um, as we really we're going into our finale, uh, which has covered so much. But again, the ongoing theme has been uh, people stepping up and taking responsibility. Uh, that brings on the ability, and not the opposite, right. you, which you pointed out. Um, we spoke about the Mayor Schuster film, which was the man at the wall who was the epitome of going beyond his comfort zone to take responsibility. He knew that he knew he knew that this. Uh, wasn't going to be done by somebody else. He he went in, he went ahead and did it. Um, of course, that has been Project Inspire's theme. I know yes. we were on the radio with Nachum the other day, and we were discussing this, which is the message of Project Inspire: is people need to go beyond their comfort zone. Um, I think that you know to reach out to Klal Yisrael, to embrace Claudius, Yisrael, to love Klal Yisrael. Um, I think that you know we have here uh, Rabbi Yoni Zagatinsky with us, of course, who uh, who does wonders in Brooklyn. You know, we had emails that came in about people you know who stepped up to the plate in Brooklyn and uh, invited invited people, and just amazing things happening. I think that you know Yoni, it's hard, and we have Rabbi Samson on the phone uh, as well who will uh, second this. Is that you know looking back specifically in your community, we've ha- we've had discussions about you know, Brooklyn, about how to get people involved in Project Inspire's message over the years. I think that you, you yourself in the Brooklyn community specifically are seeing people step way beyond what their comfort zones are, well, way beyond what they even thought they could accomplish uh, with regard to Project Inspire efforts in Brooklyn.
10: Welcome, Yoni, to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Yossi, for having me. Uh, thank you, Charlie, for being here with, me, with us. Um Listen. It's been a, a number of years since Project Inspire has developed in in Brooklyn, and we've seen a plethora of people reaching out, going beyond their comfort zone. Whether it be Shabbos hospitality, whether it be um, whether it be uh, Chavrusa programs. It's a very interesting program that we run once once a month uh, in Mill Basin, where uh, Charlie. I have to say, when we go on the trips together, <laughs> you know, you and I. Uh, we bring city leaders and they come back and you know the the men start putting on tefillin but the the Frum community participates in it and that they either either they sponsor a pair of tefillin for someone or they come down and they grab hold of a, pers- of a man and they start learning with them and with the women's programs also it's a it's so many so many people have developed relationships with the women they have changed their lives and brought them closer to, Yiddish, to Yiddishkeit, and we see it uh, very fundamentally in the community. Right, you know, you know, you
1: guys. Are, to watch you two on the trip, you know, when you take these, these men trips and you know transform their lives, well, I mentioned before, we have Rabbi Samson on the phone as well. You know, Rabbi Chaim. As we, you know, another film that we we put out as an organization that brought home the message of an individual. Uh, taking real Achrayas, we we showed a clip earlier on the show of Rav Noach describing himself as someone who was the last person kind of that would uh, start an organization, didn't even know how to do it. But somehow, when you jump into things, it uh, you know you get to see out the and it really comes around to grow into something big.
11: Absolutely, I mean uh, that was uh, that that clip is is. Really was what made Rav Noach, Rav Noach He, you know, he saw something. He didn't have, have a clue how to do it. But he said, It's on me, and I'm going to take responsibility. And he, dedica- he dedicated himself so totally and fully that's, that, he was, that he got the Siachid And I, I think that, you know, it's beautiful. First of all, to, to both of you, doing such a beautiful job. It's so uh, wonderful to see all the different people that have taken Acharias and Khalil And you did such a wonderful job of bringing out the messages and the, the lessons that we need to learn. But I, I think that I think Rivnuch, as you you mentioned, that what he would always tell us was that you know you keep your, if you keep your eye on the ball, you care about something, and you realize it's up to you, and you never give up. And that was his greatness; he never gave up. What, what I think that sometimes what he used to say, to, not in these words, but sort out the men from the boys, is that you try once, you try twice, you say I gave it a shot, and then and then it's over. <laughs> but what Noach, the greatness. And and this was the extent of his depth of his care was he knew he had to do something. It didn't matter what. Somebody once asked him, do you have a mission statement for your life? And he didn't flinch. He said, absolutely. So what is it? He said, my mission statement is bring back the Jewish people, all of them, now, no excuses. Now I know that goes a little bit against Charlie. You're you one by one, but at the same time, Rav Noach did do one by one because Asia starts Asia Torah started with a few people. It a few people, and then it, and it grew and it grew and it grew. Baruch Hashem. First but of I all, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim,
1: you were not supposed to be yeah. listening this whole time. I'm just saying. <laughs> What's that? You weren't supposed to be listening the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>
11: It's good stuff. It was the best stuff around on Tisha. Uh, so you, I, you can't hold that back from
0: me. <laughs> well, we figured there'd be no a lot. There wouldn't be a lot of competition this last right. hour here. That's how right. I figured. But <laughs> you're absolutely right. I think whole. I think that the, the concept of having a large vision is is was definitely Rovnox way but at the same time, like the way you pointed out, Rav Noach didn't sit back and say, how can I get a thousand people in the base magic? No, it, it was, even the stories of Ramirez Shuster was so awesome. Like, he brought one person in and then like, and then, but, but what was great about those stories is like his technique was like, you want to speak to the rabbi afterwards? Yeah,
1: like, he, he said no. He said no. Actually, now he's like, great, here he is.
0: Here he is you right, right. You want to come to class tomorrow? No. I, I, okay, I, we'll I see you tomorrow. I
1: think that Rav Schuster was,
11: you know, the beauty of Rav Schuster, and, I, and I, again, you know, I think it came out so beautifully in the film is this and I remember speaking to Rav Noach about it. It's like, you know, but I, th- I said, Noach, you know, he didn't have the skill set. It's true. But he had, and I remember asking this as a kasha to, to Rav Noach. I said, he didn't have the skill set, but he had the willpower. So, you know, who else has that kind of right. willpower? Right. So Rav Noach, I remember when I said it, he laughed. He says, Chaim, that's your Bechira. Anybody can have that willpower. They just have to will it. And he laughed. And I was like, well, wait a second. Isn't he special and different that he has the willpower? And that he cares so much. And that was what Rav was telling us. Everybody can care if someone like this who's so... has such. I, I, I knew him for many years, Rav R- R- Schuster. I had probably about one or two or three conversations. And I don't know if you even call them conversations because it was so hard to have a conversation with him. But yet you see, you know, what he did because he cared, because he had that willpower. And that's true for all of us. If we care, and as you said, Charlie, so beautifully, you go across uh, beyond your comfort zone, you care a little bit. You do it for your your family. You do it when when it's a serious, something serious happening with your children. You're not going to say, forget about it. You're going to do it. Even if it's uncomfortable, you do whatever you you need to do. These are our brothers and sisters.
3: They're our family.
11: It's life and death. It's a nefashas. It's, we have to care. And if we do care, and even if we don't see the results result straight away, it doesn't matter. You, you put in the his Baruch who wants his children back. And that's what Rav Noah said. Hmm. I just knew that I have a father in heaven.
1: Right. That, give him, you know, he'll give me his robe. Give,
11: you know, give him some robe. Give he his wants give us some He's waiting you, for his maftiah that all his children will come back. And we just have to put in these guys that Kodosh Baruch Hu is waiting for.
1: Right, Chaim, hey, you know we're we're here with here with Yoni and and uh, uh, Charlie mentioned before the common denominator, and this is included in Rav Noach's, You know, even even had a mission statement, is that you're ready to give up when it has to do with you, but if your eye is on um, someone else then you never give up because yeah. you're right. And you, only, you know this from people who yeah. you know, have gotten involved slowly in the community and, and people that you know, you had to urge and push over the fence. It, it's hard. But when you know that there there are people sitting in your house tonight breaking the fast that a short time ago did not keep Shabbos and did not know what Tisha was, does that make it all worth it for you? It's... Uh...
10: It, it makes it all worth it for me, and it makes it all worth it for the person that is reaching out to the uh, to the person. I, I just want to say that there was a, there's a young couple that came to us just for Shabbos that um, has made monumental leaps in leaps in their lives. Not only with their family, they went from not keeping Charlie you should know not keeping Shabbos, not keeping Kashrus. To, if you saw them today, the kids are going to mainline yeshivas and everything. That really all started from um, the relationship that uh, the wife had with her ravrusa, and uh, the man ultimately,
0: you know, jumped on board. Yeah, and, and that's what uh, happens. It's the one person stepping outside themselves right. that right. starts that triggers right. it all, and then it, it it cascades and cascades and cascades. Right. It's those small little moments that that, that make the biggest difference. Yeah. I,
10: just want, I just want to say one thing. that it's Anybody who's listening to this, first of all, please get involved. We need a lot of help here in Brooklyn. There's a, a lot of people that are seeking their roots, trying to connect with Hashem, connect with Yiddishkeit. And I just want to say, you don't have to be a keyword professional. It's about caring. It's about caring about a person. It's about giving them dropping off a birthday cake at their home. It's about calling them when their child is sick. It's about learning with them about the about Modaani. Maybe learning with them olive bays. You could do so much with them and the it's an open, wide open playing field. So anybody thinks that we don't need people, yeah, uh, we, do. we need Tremendous amount of resources. Thank you.
1: Amazing.
0: Thank you, you Yon- Yon- so Sam- much for being here and being a part thank of us, show. and thank you for what you do. Thank you for Thank you, do thank, you, you yeah. thank you,
1: Rabbi Samson, as well on the phone. Uh, this this film, as well as all our projects, should continue to be Mikadoshem shamayim
0: Absolutely, and and I really want to sort of just end with a few few ideas. I think what we got from these past few hours, and it's a, really we've been at this for two hours and trying to solve one question. And the question really is, what is the secret of greatness? How does it work? How does it happen? How come some people seem to have it and I don't? When you walk away from Tisha B'av and you had the opportunity to download and to digest dozens and dozens of hours of content trying to get us to become better, be closer to each other, no to bear each other's burdens, to fight for Geulot, whatever, whatever it is that you saw out there, whatever it is that, that moved you, it's all saying the same thing. Which is, whatever we are right now as a nation, we could be more. And in the process of being more, we will accomplish something and maybe even attain Gaula. We wouldn't be in this generation if we couldn't bring it. Period. God wouldn't have put your soul on this earth if it didn't have something really important to do. There aren't a lot of us out there. We're a very small nation and we've got a huge amount to accomplish. And when Dov Wiesel was sitting right here, he was saying, I just can't believe that two women in two different parts of the world with full families from their kitchens built the foundation of a $40 million incredibly uber-denominational organization. When Tzibelsky was sitting here to think that Taravadas and all that it accomplished and then all the, the Paris of what it accomplished was started by one Balabas whose childhood was dysfunctional at best to come to this country and just want his kids to have a yeshiva education, to bang on beamers with all of his heart. I mean, that's what it, what it that's what it takes. It's a, it's a, it's someone who who's in the rabbinate looking to go into Kirov and someone said maybe we should get into chesed. It's three guys in a freezing cold back room, burning CDs because all they want is more people to know Torah. That's what these things are. You know what we're really it's about. Also, it's the story of Hatzalah. And the founder of Hatzalah right now needs a Rufu shaleima. We should be Zohar for him. all of us. Tzvi ben Miriam Rachel. The founder of Hatzalah. How did Hatzalah start? Same thing. Regular individuals that see a need. How do we do it? So I've been taking notes. And I came down with four things. And I think if we do these four things today, if me and you take it upon ourselves, so you know today is 50 days from Rosh Hashanah. So today is Firas Saomer. Today is Yom Yom Echad Omer. On the Sviras Harashashana. So fifty days from today we're going to stand before the Kurush Baruch Hu and say, Can you give me more? Can you put me in the book of life? Four things. One, don't look to the last step. Don't worry about what it's going to do to your great grandkids. Don't worry if you have enough money to support the world organization. It's one person right in front of you. It's the next step. You never look at you never look at the last step. Number two. You focus on the person. It's always the person. There's always someone else that needs help. We don't build organizations. We build each other, person by person. Number three, realize it's God's plan. If you're lucky, he'll let you run it. It's his mission. If you're lucky, he'll make you become the officer to accomplish what he figured out to do in his strategic planning session. And number four, and most importantly, remember... No greatness happens unless you go outside your comfort zone. That's life. Life exists outside our comfort zone. We cannot in any which way determine what we have, but we can determine how much we want. Our rut zone, our desire to help somebody else, is the greatest force in the world. And if all we do is take the rut zone to help each other and bring it up a couple of notches, if all we do is become people that increase our desire to help other people, then we have accomplished so much because it is that rut zone that will drive us to making a difference one person at a time. And if you do it, you and I do it, and we all do it, in a year from now, this nation's going to look even better than it looks right now. And maybe, just maybe, that'll be enough. For us to be able to not have Tisha B'av next year. And for us for next year, for the stream to not be this radio show, but the stream on Tisha B'av next year should be the base on May we see it come in our days. Bimhera, be Amen, amen. <speaking in Hebrew>